0: Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm gonna be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful, wonderful Monday getting ready for the week ahead and had a wonderful weekend. Some things that I want to talk about today, I'm going to be getting into the big kind of kickoff to the week that started with Marvel Studios making a really cool announcement. I'm also going to be previewing the big show that's coming out tomorrow on May the 4th, which is Star Wars Day, which is The Bad Batch. I'm going to be previewing that. I'm going to be getting into some Marvel stuff as well, and I'm going to be kicking off the show with talking about some Marvel Studios stuff in, to, to start out the week with and of course Really, there's not a whole lot of other news to really kind of be getting into right now, but Marvel Studios kicked off the week in grand fashion, and I want to kind of touch up on something they did last week, which was kind of give their behind-the-scenes film and the -the behind-the-scenes documentary episode from Marvel Studios Assembled, which kind of is going to be a behind-the-scenes series, which the last time they did it was when WandaVision came out. They kind of gave the -the behind-the-scenes look of how they made that show. They're gonna be doing it with Black Widow and Loki and every single show and movie that's gonna be coming out for the foreseeable future. And for the second episode of Marvel Studios Assembled, it was about the behind the scenes making of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which wrapped up its series on uh, about two Fridays ago. So this was kind of them kind of now rolling out the, the press junket after the six episodes, going full depth spoilers with everything that went on throughout the show and all the surprises that I had to keep from people to make sure that they came out when the episode did. And it was really cool to kind of see it all really play out and to kind of see how the creators were able to adapt a city like Madripoor or be able to create new characters like John Walker or the Julie Louise dreyfus character, the, the Contessa character, and how they were able to keep that a secret. And also kind of talking about the adaptations of comics that they were able to take from from and continue the story that was told from the Infinity Saga and place it in, in, in a show like this and keep the movie quality of certain things. And they also kind of talked about how they shot during COVID-19 and some of the complications that arose from that whole scenario. So there were definitely a lot of great insights into what they were able to do with the making of this show. And I want to kind of give my full review of what I thought with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Since last week, I wasn't able to do it because I was, busy, caught up with work and it just went on throughout the week and I just felt like it was old news. But with this episode of Assembled, I thought it was kind of the best time to think about my closing thoughts and what I overall thought about the series as a whole. And I think with The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it was really my most anticipated Disney Plus show from Star Wars to anything else that Disney Plus is offering in the foreseeable future. And it really was one of my most anticipated projects coming down the pipeline, my most anticipated MCU project, especially on the Disney Plus side of things. And I think for the most part, it definitely lived up to my expectations. There were a few things that I thought were a little bumpy that could have really been flattened out. And if they do decide to do a second season of this show with a different title or if they if it translates over to a movie i think there's some things that they can definitely clean up on that were in this show that were a little bit unhinged and a little bit on the rockier side but i think overall with the show i think it definitely lived up to the expectations of being the six hour movie and being action-packed and feeling like an mcu epic that we're accustomed to seeing with their theatrical slate and i think when you look at what they just did with WandaVision, I think this is a great example of being able to translate over from one project to the other. And even though these two projects might be dissimilar to one another, they're able to still kind of translate into being these MCU projects that we know and love while well, while it's whether it's the action or the characters or the humor, it just able is, is translate over so well with each other, but still be completely different. Where if you look at something like a WandaVision, which it's this kind of homage to the to sitcom television while also being this this show about witches and and artificial intelligence and all this kind of kooky crazy stuff and then you get something like the falcon the winter soldier which is kind of being a big marvel spectacle movie but also being very grounded in its tone and also tackling things like race and and the government and society and whereas wandavision is talking about grief and love and loss it's just all these different things but still being able to con- keep a consistency within itself and I think the Falcon and Winter Soldier was able to do just that. And the performances once again were just top-notch. Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie just have amazing chemistry together. And I can understand why the producers and the creators over at Marvel Studios when they watched the scenes between Bucky and Sam and something like Captain America Civil War, that maybe that chemistry could translate to them co leading a television television show or a project in the mcu by themselves and then you get new characters like you get wyatt russell who i think really broke out onto the scene with this role and did such an amazing job i think really kind of showcasing the talent he has as an actor and even though he comes from royalty hollywood royalty in terms of his family his parents i think this show clearly established wyatt russell as his own actor and somebody who is legit and people should be looking at in the future and the way that he was was just able to play John Walker and make you just despise him in, in every single way possible and make you just continue to show that kind of animosity as the series progressed, which is absolutely, absolutely incredible. And I really give kudos to what they were able to do with that, with that character. And also the same thing for the Flag Smashers, who are also part of my negatives as well. But I think especially the character of Carly, I thought the actress who played her was awesome and the way that you you understand her, but at the same time you don't under, you don't agree with the methods of the way she goes about doing things, I thought was really really done well. And I think that again another actress who should really be looked at for a lot of things moving forward. And I'll have more about to say about the flag smashers in a little bit, but I think in terms of the positives, especially on the leader of them in Carly Morgenthau, I thought they did a really good job of establishing that character also you get returning ones like sharon carter played by emily van camp who again i think you're gonna i'll talk about a little bit in the negatives but i think in terms of bringing her back giving her a different shade a a, a shade of gray really in terms of making her somebody who is more morally corrupt than people might actually realize and somebody who doesn't trust the government isn't as as the the blue-eyed kind of uh, a government-oriented kind kind of a Save America first person that she was in Captain America the Winter Soldier in Civil War I think kind of goes to show the progression and evolution of these characters and the same thing can be said for Daniel Brew and how he plays Zemo who I think I think some people were maybe a little bit put off by the way that Zemo was so grounded in Civil War and then you kind of add more layers to him you make him a baron someone who's very wealthy and make him a little bit more comical people might not have gone for that but I think the way that the writing and Daniel Bull played that, I think, was to perfection. And he stole the episodes that he was in, specifically three and four, kind of bringing these these ideological terms that, again, you can agree with what he's saying. However, you don't really necessarily agree with the methods of the way that he goes about doing things. And the chemistry that he has with Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie is just absolutely incredible. And kind of going back to Sebastian Stan real quick, I thought he really gave. Bucky layers that we didn't realize that he had in the previous films, and I think add to his journey throughout the Infinity Saga. And I think for Sam, really his stuff and the way that Anthony Mackie portrays it is really centered on this show, whereas with, with, with Bucky, I think it's really more kind of layered throughout his time in the MCU. So all the characters, all the cast was outstanding. I give them certainly an A plus. And I and I'd also give the, the direction a really good grade as well. I thought the way that Carrie Scoglin really directed the action was top notch. I might have not have always been a fan of the close-ups that she would have on the faces. I know it was to give an intimate look, but I just felt like especially in the early episodes, it just didn't really work as well and it felt just kind of taking me out of a, a little bit of what they were trying to come across during that certain scene. So I definitely believe that the, the direction was really, really well done. It had that cinematic feeling to it. And I hope that Carrie Scoglin will be back, whether it's for Captain America 4 or some other Marvel project down the line. Or even if she does other things in television down the road. I'm really excited to see what she can do. And of course, it, it comes down to the writing of it all. And again, I think just like it was in WandaVision, what the the writing room, the, the writing staff is trying to come across with the show is powerful and profound and really digs deep into things that we haven't explored in the MCU just yet. And this time it is about race and country and who you're fighting for and representation. And I think it makes this, this show one of the most grounded, iterations in the mcu since the winter soldier and the the way that it really kind of deals with all of this you really could not have done it within a two two and a half two and a half hour frame and you really kind of go on this journey with sam and and really kind of being alongside of him getting his point of view of being torn between taking up the mantle of captain america taking on the shield and the way that the writing staff really deconstructs the 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 legacy of The Shield and also the, the, the thematic iterations and the thematic lines of ideology and what we do we strive America to really be. And we also really get into the legacy of Steve Rogers. And even though we don't see Steve Rogers in this show, he very much is kind of this third main character that is throughout this entire show. Whereas everyone is always mentioning Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers. So he, even though he's not in, Chris Evans is not actually in the show. The character Steve Rogers really lingers throughout this entire, tire show. I thought they really did a good job of doing that without really, I think, kind of banging you over the head. They were able to really have the characters come into their own while also kind of looking back in the past of what we have experienced in the MCU beforehand. So I think they really did a good job with, with those ideologies and that kind of limelight. And of course, for Sam being a black man in america and taking on the shield and of course i think everything they were able to do with isaiah isaiah bradley and carl lumlau of course how can i forget about him the way that he was able to bring carl uh, to, to bring isaiah bradley into everything was just absolutely amazing and he was really a highlight in every single episode that he was in he just crushed it every single time and i would hope that i know marvel studios is entering this into the drama category so he they wouldn't be up for supporting but i hope they really advocate for carl emlao in this show and really try to get him a best supporting actor nomination because again every single scene he was in he just brought it he brought this emotion and and really kind of in this different perspective that i think had a lot of people questioning their thoughts of this monarch that is the shield of captain america and captain america the the monarch itself was really questioned throughout the series and a lot of it came from the conversations that isaiah bradley was having with sam in some of these episodes so I thought all that was great as well, but kind of going back to the writing, the way that Malcolm Spellman and his staff were able to, to come up with Isaiah and make sure that even though we're not getting flashbacks or time from Isaiah being Captain America, we're able to see him kind of say this stuff through dialogue and get an image in our heads for what we think this man was experiencing in the fifties, excuse me, and being able to kind of see what he was able to bring to it, which is absolutely amazing. And again, it goes to what Zemo is, is talking about as well. And and the, just these great ideological conversations that were had throughout made I think a lot of, of people, a lot of viewers just kind of torn and, and saying, yes, this is the way that something should be happening, and then saying, But I understand where this is going and and, and what this really represents and, and what they really want to try to bring across the screen as well. So Just the writing was absolutely incredible, and I just think, for the most part, they really stuck the landing of where the character arcs were going from here. And I also wanna talk about the Captain America costume in the finale that Sam Wilson takes on. And for me personally, I really like the costume. I know some people, a lot of people have issues with it and it stems from really having issues from the way it is represented in the comics because sometimes Marvel will go off comic when it comes to their, their... Their comic to big screen adaptations, and but this was one of them where they really tried to stick true to the monarch of Sam Wilson as Captain America, and I really like the translation that came across screen. I really like how the whites really pop out. I might not be the the best fan of maybe the goggles. I think the goggles really pop out more so than they have when Sam had his Falcon costumes. So maybe they could rework those a little bit for whatever Sam Wilson appears in next. But I really do all in all like the costume. I love the vibranium wings that are attached to that are attached to Sam on these on this this suit and of course taking on the shield i really really did enjoy it and was really cool to kind of see it all take place in that finale and then to kind of go into some of the big reveals that happened throughout the show and of course one of the big ones was the return of the Dormalage and really that wakanda was really mentioned early on in the show and of course with bucky's ties to wakanda i think it was great to actually see that represented onto the screen it made sense to have them and really have them be a big implication in this story. And then of course, I think the biggest reveal of all was the introduction of Contessa uh, that is, will be played in the foreseeable future by the one and only fantastic Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who just kind of came in, commanded the screen, and which is absolutely amazing in every single moment that she was a part of it, even though it was really just two scenes in the penultimate and the finale episodes of the show. I think she really made her mark, and I think she gets a lot of people excited for what this character could bring to the MCU moving forward, and she she sounds like she's going to be somebody that is a Nick Fury type of shadowy government agent that is going to be kind of setting up all these things in motion throughout the upcoming projects in the MCU. It was already reported that she could potentially also be introduced in Black Widow as well. And that was the main plan to happen before everything with COVID kind of turned a lot of stuff upside down. So we'll see if that still remains as well. But I think there's a lot of great stuff to look forward to with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and the way that they have kind of hooded up, making sure that nobody in the press was able to get wind of the fact that she was going to be part of the MCU. Nobody knew that she was going to be in it. And there was, of course, a lot of reports from Malcolm Spellman and the creators saying that there is something in episode five that is a cameo that is exciting. And they're looking forward to what it could represent in the future moving forward. And even though I think we got burned or a lot of people thought they got burned a few times with things happening in WandaVision. I think for the most part in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier it was definitely a lot more tempered. Now, whether that's because of audiences or whether it's because of the cr- the creators and the stars didn't make a lot of bold statements or if they did like with Malcolm did in the penultimate episode, they translated, I think, really, really well. And for the most part, I think, again, it wasn't this huge, I think, reveal of this like Wolverine or Mephisto or anybody like that. But I think it was a really cool reveal that you get a brand new character from the Marvel comics, but you get a big star to be part of it that nobody knew anything about and i think it's really exciting to see that kind of move forward as well, but now I want to kind of get into the the negatives a little bit of what I thought with the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And there were definitely a few negatives throughout. And I think the biggest one kind of translates over to the to what I thought about Wandavision and then its finale. And even though Wandavision had nine episodes and Falcon Winter Soldier was only not six one hour episodes, I definitely felt like there was a lot of rushing in the finale, and, and that it was just really kind of picked up this pace. Of wrapping everything up because they don't have a lot of time. And I don't know if this is because of the. This is really kind of the first batch of Disney Plus shows and it's kind of in its experimentation phase right now. Hopefully, down the line, if we get again more seasons of this or new shows coming down the pipeline, then it's not just constricted to it has to be six hours, whether it's broken up into 10 half hour episodes like She Hulk's gonna be or six hour long episodes like Falcon and the Winter Soldier or what. The next part of the MCU is going to be with Loki coming out on June 11th. Hopefully we can expand it to maybe seven, eight, maybe even nine hours of television. If it's like nine, one hour episodes, I would be fine with that as long as the story has time to breathe. And I think there was so much that was set up throughout that even though a lot of it does land, there were some aspects I just did not find to be that well put together. And I think the story that was told just needed a little bit more time to be Extended out and breathe a bit more and i think that could have been helped out with maybe having an additional episode or two to go along with it so i'm hoping that maybe they just wanted to say when they first started creating these shows that we're just gonna put it at six hours and that's it and maybe hopefully with a lot of the success that they're having not just with falcon the Winter soldier but what they also had with wandavision that maybe that can be corrected or altered a little bit in the next few weeks, or not really the next few weeks, but the next few years with, I think everything that, that's gonna be happening with Disney Plus and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I also think that, With the Flag Smashers, I think that even though I loved the Carly Morgenthau character, I think the Flag Smashers as a whole were a little bit underchanged. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand for not having enough time to really be with these characters. And I think an additional episode or two really could have helped us understand the Flag Smashers' Agazin organization even more because even though they are these super soldiers and I I was really kind of engaged in the Carly character, I just felt like everyone else was just kind of there to be there. And I felt like they weren't this really huge threat that I thought they were going to be. So I just think, again, I I think they were just underutilized a little bit and it could have been used to their advantage just, just a tad a bit more if we had more episodes to go along with this. And this is something that I had a problem with, especially in the finale, was the the John Walker character. And even though I loved what they did throughout the show with John Walker, I think the, the heel turn of having him kind of try to be back into the good graces with the audience, especially after what happened in the fourth and fifth episode of this show, I just felt like was a little bit too quick. And because I know that the MCU is something that plays things throughout the long game and these arcs change and evolve over time i think i would have loved to see that happen in another project whatever it is that we're going to see john walker and i just feel like it was just too quick of a turn and now we want to get him into the good graces with everybody and i just hope that we get more of this morally ambiguous character that we were kind of tugging on throughout the falcon and the winter soldier before we got to this heel turn at the end of the finale so i hope that is something that is addressed a little bit more in the the coming in the coming days or not not really the coming days but the coming months and the coming projects to come in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And again, I think also it goes to the writing. And even though I love the writing and I think the messages that they were trying to send with telling these character-driven stories, I think the overall story, again, needed an additional episode or two to to breathe. And I think that's really, again, gonna be the case with figuring out what works and what doesn't work with the Disney Plus shows. And again, for the most part, everything really does work except for rushing a lot of things in the last few episodes. And you're wondering, well, they have All this stuff to finish and wrap up in the finale, do they really have enough time to do it? And I just think for the most part they do stick to landing, but there are a few things that are just, I think, kind of left in the dust. And I think you see that in both shows so far. And I wouldn't be surprised if we might see that happen in Loki as well. So we'll see what happens. But I I think for the most part, overall. I really did love this show. I think I would put WandaVision ahead of it just a little bit more just because I think there was a lot of time to establish what we were witnessing throughout the the show. And I think there, there, there was just a lot more added to it. And I think there was just it was a better told story. Even though the finale does wrap it up quick, I think the messages they were trying to send throughout is told a lot better. And I think the story in Falcon Winter Soldier is good for the most part. But there are things throughout it that I think a little bit jagged and edged that again could have needed a little bit more smoothing out if they had a little bit more time to tell these stories i would have put wanda vision ahead of this just by a little bit but overall i really did like what marvel did with the falcon and winter soldier i'm excited again to see a lot more of what these characters are able to do also i completely forgot about it i need to talk about Agent 13, Sharon Carter, who was revealed to be the power broker. And again, I think that's another thing that is an issue with the writing a little bit is the fact that I think they were trying to build up to this big reveal, but... Again, the fans are really smart. And I think there were a lot of context clues given throughout the the episodes from the third one to the sixth one that it was obvious that if Sharon Carter wasn't the power broker, that it just made narrative sense with everything that they were establishing, that if it wasn't her, I don't think it would have gone over well. But I think because she is the power broker, I'm excited to see where that goes from here. But I think in the, in terms of the show, I think if they kind of made that reveal in episode three, and then we were able to see Sharon kind of be the power broker throughout and kind of see her play both sides in a way that even though she has her own agenda, she's still helping Sam and Bucky out, saving the GRC, saving the world. And I think that would have been really something interesting to kind of play with. But I guess we are introduced to this new version of Sharon, and I'm excited to see where it leads here. I know there are people speculating that she could be in Secret Invasion and maybe could be a scroll but I, I don't know if she'll be in that show, but I, I would not be surprised, especially the way in, the, in which that mid credit scene is played out when she talks about state secrets and classified material. It definitely seems like we the next time we could see Sharon Carter is in the Arm Wars series with Don Cheadle reprising James Rhodes, where that is about James Rhodey kind of protecting the legacy of Tony and his weapons falling into the wrong hands. And I guess Rhodey trying to get that back and the legacy that Tony leaves behind as well. So another show also dealing with a legacy as well. So... That could be the next time that we see Sharon Carter. I don't think it would be Secret Invasion, or it could be when we get Captain America 4. So either way, I think, again, overall, I really like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I like the ending of the title of Captain America the Winter Soldier, kind of making it a complete arc that is completed for the Sam Wilson character. And again, like WandaVision, I think the fact that we get more layers with these characters, we would not be able to get that if it it was a movie. So I'm really excited of where we're going to go. And again, getting a Loki show now, what else can you do? And seeing the trailers for that so far been really interesting. A completely different show, once again, of what we have gotten. We got, it again, kind of this fantasy homage to sitcoms with WandaVision, this grounded, gritty television show about race and patriotism. And now we're gonna get this next show which deals with sci-fi and magic and time traveling so again three three different three unique shows within the same universe it's just absolutely mind-blowing and marvel studios just continues to do this so i would give the falcon and the winter soldier overall i believe i gave it an an eight out of ten and i would still stand by that even after writing the reviews that i did for the falcon and winter soldier i would give wandavision A nine out of 10, just because, again, I thought that was a little bit of a better show overall. But eight out of 10 is still, I think, a really good score. And again, this is a great way for Marvel to kind of kick everything off with their new era in the MCU. And I think we're just gonna get more great stuff moving down the line. So, (coughs) excuse me. Overall, what did you guys think about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. So now I'm going to stay with the MCU, and instead of talking about the the television stuff, I'm going to move over to the film side, and again, the MCU, Marvel Studios, has been killing it this last year on Disney+, and they're going to continue to, I think, do that for the foreseeable future, but there's the other side of where they made their success, and that, of course, is in the theatrical sense, where you have films like The Avengers and Captain America films, and because of COVID-19, they have been kind of pushed back, and we have not gotten a Marvel film for what will be basically two plus years since Spider-Man Far From Home came out July 4th weekend of 2019 and Black Widow is set to come out on July 9th of 2021 this year both in theaters and on Disney Plus and... This is something that happened during the Oscar ceremony. One of the things that I really loved about the very controversial ceremony was at the very beginning, it really was a very much gonna be a celebration about going back to the theaters. A lot of the studios put out this big kind of promo that was put out with Matthew McConaughey saying welcome back we're excited to have you back into the theaters we're gonna have big blockbusters that you can kind of go to if you feel safe enough to do so and today Marvel Studios in grand fashion to kick off the week like they do steal the headlines the way that they know how to do it did put out their own big kind of promotional campaign of going back to the movies we'll see you back in theaters and i think them putting something out like that is very very meaningful and just the the way that it opens and it's a a voiceover of i'm sure an old archival recording of stan lee talking about comic books and the universe that he and jack kirby and so many others have created throughout the decades and then It showed all the clips of previous MCU films beforehand. And then it kind of transitioned into talking about the movies and talking about going back into theaters. And then halfway through, we had this awesome kind of montage of theater reactions of that portal scene and Avengers Endgame. And I think the one that they showed was when the Russo brothers sneaked into the theater and they they recorded the reaction that people had to that sequence. And it was just amazing to kind of see that refreshingness Again, and it was really kind of Marvel kicking off the fact of saying we're not going anywhere. We are committed to the theatrical experience, and even though they have one of their films going to a day-and-date release, both in streaming and in theaters, overall they realize that theatrical experience is the way to move forward, and that there a lot of their success is based off of that. They realize that they are a big spectacle event that people want to go see and that they are going to be continuing to push that moving forward. And they did it in dramatic style as really the last minute and a half is really what you go for to watch this little clip to come out. And it kind of builds up to Marvel showcasing in a minute and a half what they have people to look forward to in the coming years ahead. And they showcase a bunch of new footage for their 2021 slate. We got new stuff to look at for Black Widow. We got a few new clips of Shang-Chi. And within this clip, we got our first official footage for Marvel Studios Eternals, which was written, directed by Chloe Zhao. And we got our first look at Salma Hayek. We got our first look at Angelina Jolie, Kumail Nanjiani, who looks like a badass. There's just awesome, awesome stuff to look forward to. And I can't wait to finally get a full two minute, two and a half minute trailer of Eternal. So I was really, really excited about that. And they just didn't stop there. They didn't give any footage, but they gave us brand new title cards and the official dates for these films moving forward we got the the announcement or the official reveal once again that spider-man no way home will be kicking off on december 17th 2021 and then we went right into the 2022 slate which we got the announcement that dr strange and the multiverse of madness will be hitting theaters on March 25th, 2022. Thor Love and Thunder will be hitting May 6th, 2022. And then, we not only did we get dates for the sequels to Black Panther and Captain Marvel, but we also got brand new titles for those films. They won't just be called Black Panther 2 or Captain Marvel 2, but the sequel to Black Panther will be titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which will be hitting theaters on July 8th of 2022. And then, of course, we get the announcement that Captain Marvel 2 will be titled The Marvels on November 11th of 2022. And then we got the announcement of 2023, which Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania will be releasing on February 27th of 2023. And then we also got the announcement and brand new title card that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be hitting theaters on May 5th, 2023. So, that was kind of the big announcement, big reveal that came from this this announcement. And I love the titles for both Black Panther and Captain Marvel 2, which is now titled The Marvels. Of course, the big thing for Black Panther, titling it Wakanda Forever, that clearly really is a honor and a tribute to Chowick Bozeman. He was the one that that always said Wakanda forever. He, of course, has the big cross between his his two hands. And so I, I just think that's a great homage. I'm sure we're going to be getting a lot more tributes to Chowick in that film. But the title card that really stood out to me was the Marvel's title card, because you get the, the, the Marvel's that has that red kind of logo, that red style that the first Captain Marvel film had. But at the very end, when you get the S, it's this elastic yellow band that is reminiscent of the title card for the Disney Plus show that's coming out this year, later this year, in Miss Marvel. And Amon Valani is going to be playing Kamala Khan, and she's gonna have her own show in 2021. And she's gonna be in the Captain Marvel sequel as well. So to kind of have that feature in there as well, I thought was really, really cool. And instead of kind of calling it captain marvel and miss marvel to kind of give you the hint of having those two worlds combined together i think it's gonna be really really exciting so i'm really looking forward to that as well and i just think overall again the fact that we got this and it just clearly shows that marvel understands how meaningful they really are to the theatrical exhibition business especially right now as we try to translate out of a post-COVID world right now and getting everything kind of running up back up and running and we could have all these these big movies coming out we could have something like a a fast nine which is really i think going to be the next big indicator for where the box office could go in the middle of the summer on june 25th we're gonna have stuff such as Quiet Place Part Two and In the Heights in June before Fast Line comes out. But it's really about marvel and, and and marvel really is the biggest name in in the game again you have the fast and furious franchise you have star wars they don't have anything coming out till 2023 so they're out of the theatrical big screen game for the next few years while they focus on their disney plus stuff but and, and dc has their own stuff but they're not marvel studios it, marvel is really the reason that, that a lot of big spectacle event films have come out over the last few years they have really been a big cash cow for a lot of theatrical exhibitions. They've been big cash cows for, of course, Disney. But when it comes to feeding the windows of an AMC, a Regal, or a lot of smaller owned, (coughs) excuse me, family owned theaters... That, that is where they make their big money. You get people going out to the theaters. You get exclusive deals with a lot of of the companies that promote these films. And you get kind of the, the, the exclusive deals on whether it's popcorn buckets or exclusive deals on, on marvel styled movie drinks or deals off or something that can pay the theaters the money they need. And all the money from concessions goes to the the theaters and while the tickets goes to the uh, the even though they split with the theaters a majority of the sales of the tickets goes back to the studio so the the theaters rely on that concession stuff and that's where they make their big deals and i think marvel realizes that a big portion of the of the, of the theater chain, of the the big theater experience, the theatrical experience is in due part because of them. And they're coming out with a lot of anticipated titles, like an Eternals, like a Black Widow, like a Spider-Man, like a Doctor Strange and Thor, that they realize we are going to be a key force driving things moving forward. And whether that means it'll be a day and date release with streaming as well, I don't really know, but I think the fact that they, are, they came out with something like this like this to say we're we're gonna be back in the movies we'll see you at the movies we're about the big screen experience as well i think says a lot and sends a really big message moving forward with a lot of the reopenings happening right now with a lot of vaccinations that we're not we're sticking with our guns here and the dates that they came out with right now this is our solidified state moving forward with the mcu going ahead because they didn't have this come out last year they didn't have this at the beginning of the year i think this is another big indicator for where the studios are really looking forward to right now and i think they're really in a positive direction saying okay we feel a lot more comfortable about putting these films out there and i don't think we're going to get kind of the release date chess game that we were getting last year in 2020 during the height of COVID. so I think this is a great sign, a great indicator for where Marvel Studios is, for where a lot of Hollywood executives and a lot of Hollywood big heads are thinking right now. And I think it's exciting to think that, I think we're gonna be getting Black Widow, obviously on July 9th, especially with the Disney Disney Plus addition to it, I think that solidified it coming out on July 9th. I think we're gonna get Shang-Chi coming out on September 3rd. I think we're gonna get Eternals in November. and I think we're gonna get Spider-Man No Way Home in December. So I think everything is kind of set in stone and I think this is a big indication for where the biggest studio in the world thinks where the theatrical exhibition is going right now. I think it's telling a lot and I'm very excited to see where it all goes from here. I really like this little video they put out and I think it's a big indicator that the the movies are going to be coming back sooner rather than later. So what do you guys think of this? What, Which one are you looking forward to the most? Which title do you like the most? Do you like the Wakanda Forever title more than the Marvel's title? Which release date are you looking forward to? And I know again, 2023 is a long ways away, but again, just to kind of get this excited about seeing these films get release dates, I think is very, very exciting for where things are gonna be going down the line. And of course we didn't get anything for fantastic four we we did get the logo but we didn't get a release date and we also didn't get anything for blade as well so is that something that's going to be part of phase four is that going to be part of phase five are we going to get that in 2024 are we going to get that a little later on in 2023 Uh, again years years away but still i think something to think about as well so what do you guys think about this let me know and leave your thoughts And the final thing that I want to talk about today on the San Bissell podcast is my preview for the next big Star Wars. Project to be landing, and it starts tomorrow on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, which I'll be having a podcast on tomorrow as well. But the next big one to look forward to is Star Wars The Bad Batch, which is kind of the follow up to the hit animated show that ended last year in Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it follows this ragtag group of clones called Clone Force 99, which we were introduced to in the first few episodes of the final season last year and we're going to be kind of getting into what the post-Episode 3 world is like, post-Clone Wars, at the kind of beginning of the rise of the Empire. And I'm pretty much really looking forward to this show, and I think for a lot of people who are really true diehard Star Wars fans, I think this is one that they're looking forward to as well. It's created by Dave Filoni, the people that worked on the Clone Wars show, and I'm assuming Rebels as well, so... That team behind this show—it gets me very, very excited. I, I really liked these characters in Clone Wars. I didn't, I didn't overtly love them, but I liked the direction about they were what, where they were going. So to follow them in their own show gets me excited to kind of see this new world is going to be interesting. The animation visually just looks stunning as always, as it does with Lucasfilm animation, and I just think with these. With these characters is, is going to be a lot of fun getting a lot of cameos from people like captain rex and, and finnick she from the mandalorian is going to be exciting We get Na wen back and i think just to have star wars again is, is going to be exciting we haven't had anything since the finale of season two of the mandalorian in december where we had that big bombshell of a cameo from luke skywalker of course and then setting up in a a season three and of course the book of boba fett which will be coming out towards the end of this year so i think just to get some more star wars content is going to be great to finally to finally get on disney plus and i I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow or Star Wars day maybe we get a little bit more information on the book of Boba Fett and I don't know if we will get a trailer for it but we haven't really heard a lot about it since Favreau announced it on Good Morning America the the Monday after the finale aired so it's been kind of Kind of closed. Like a lot of people have been keeping their mouth shut about it. We only know that tomorrow Morrison and Ming Na Wen are gonna be in the show. So I we might be getting some more stuff about it tomorrow, but I think we're getting a 70 minute premiere of the Bad Batch, which should be exciting. And I think 70 minutes for a premiere episode of an animated show like that is perfect for it. I think the fact that there's a lot to establish with this group and the fact that how are they not affected from Order 66? How do they become this ragtag group that's on the outside looking in from the Empire that's formed? I think there's a lot of really cool stuff looking to look forward to with that animated show. And I'll definitely have my review for it on tomorrow's podcast. Definitely be on the lookout for that as well. But are you guys excited about Star Wars The Bad Batch? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. But that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sambicell Podcast. And once again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro? the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also on the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the Podcast Solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Wrestlemania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at RealAmbiguous, and if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-W-S-E-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. Again, it's B-U-W-S-E-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Bissell. You can also find me on my YouTube channel at the Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep on screening.